and welcome to TV My Husband Hates. I'm Kat Sims. And I'm Regan Kempton. And we are reality TV addicts. Addicts, uh, aficionados. Ooh, I like that. Experts. Experts. Basically, we know our shit when it comes to reality TV. 100%. Hello, hello, and welcome to another week of TV My Husband Hates. I'm coming to you live from the frozen tundra that is Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Kat? <laughs> I'm good, thanks, but I am feeling for you. I think you were saying, I think every time I message you at the moment, you're like, I've just had to scrape the yard again. Yeah, so I just, I, from our last snow, I let it go a couple of days. I just cleared off all the snow, the, the snow in the driveway from like the last time it snowed. And then of course today we're getting like over a foot of snow. So I'm in a, I mean, I'm super lucky that we have a snowblower. My husband got us one when he decided to go to school. So I just have to go out there with like the snowblower. I don't have to like manually shovel, but a foot of snow is a fucking lot, man. That is a lot. That's a ton. That's I'm going to have to do it twice. I mean, it's probably more than a ton. Yeah, it's it's gross. And it's cold. And I'm a Texan, so like this is the best time to be in Houston right now because this is when all the flowers come out and it's like a balmy like 60, 70 degrees. And so all my friends from Houston are like sending me pictures of them oh, like lunching shit. outside and day drinking and no. I'm fucking holed up in snow day hell. If they were real friends, they'd keep that shit to themselves. Yeah. I think because they're real friends, that's why they bust my chops. <laughs> uh, well, if it makes you feel any better, it's shit here too. I'm going to go back through all of our podcasts and I'm going to check how many we actually start with the weather discussion because I actually think it's probably it's loads. 98% of them, which is hilarious. I, feel like, I don't know if it's yeah. the British input into that because we love a weather chat. You know what? I think that's like my old school British roots just coming out. Or maybe it's because I lived there for so long. Like I I, I love a weather chat. I mean, you're basically British. I, I basically am. Other I than I mean, apart from I am the American. accent and the passport <laughs> and your address, you're basically British. Yeah. I mean, maybe that will change. We'll, we'll see what's uh, in the cards for us in the next few months. But um, the worst part about the snow is that school was canceled today and the kids had a late start on Monday. Oh so my like God. my work week has been such a nightmare. Like this, this is the point of the podcast. I have to have a massive shout out to my mother-in-law. She is retired. And so when these things happen, like today, I was going to have to have the kids here while podcasting, which would have never worked. I was able to text her this morning and she's watching the kids so we can get the podcast done, which she's just a gem. Oh, I love Paula. Paula, thank you very much. Yeah, otherwise it would have been a very different podcast. I tried to record an IGTV today. It took me seven attempts because the oh, kids goodness. just kept running in. Yeah, they have no respect. No. No respect care. for private time. <laughs> or work time. Twats, a lot of them. Anyway, um, <clears throat> we're here. We've got an extra show this week because we've introduced Below Deck Sailing Yacht, which one day there may be a better name for it, but today is not the day, apparently. No, I mean, what should we call it? Should we just call it the Sailing Below Deck? Below Deck Sailing? I mean, why, why add the yacht? Like, I think we assume because it's Below Deck, it is a yacht. So why right. isn't it just Below Deck Sailing? Well, I agree. It's it, A, it doesn't roll off the tongue at all. And it doesn't really no. make sense. Um, the other ones don't say yacht. No, and for all the money that they are probably giving people to create these programs, you just would have thought they could have taken a bit of time to come up with a name. Anyway, why don't we do this? If you think of a better yeah. name for Below Deck Sailing Yacht, then uh, message us on Instagram, everywhere you can find us. Throw us an email at hey at TV Husband. 
No, TV, yeah. my husband hates.com. Yep, you got it. You got there in the end. I got there in the end. Have we had any emails through yet? Couple? No, we haven't. Oh, somebody said, I was at a party on Wednesday. Somebody said that they'd sent us an email about doing the podcast. No, I mean, I'll double check, but I haven't seen it. Oh, Maybe well. they got the email address wrong. Well, if it's you who I met at the party and you're listening, we didn't get the email, so resend it. <laughs> Please. Hey, it's TV, hey. my husband hates.com. So let's, uh, we'll start with the below deck finale before we hop into below deck sailing. Cool. Yeah? Let's do it. Because this is the end of what's been a very long and very painful season. Dude, this this season has been a lot. It's been emotionally... There's a lot of fiery... Yeah. Yeah. It's been emotionally exhausting. It really has. And I'm just kind of over it, to be really honest. Like, I am over blatant misogyny that I'm actually choosing to watch. Right. And I'm also over talking about it. I mean, we are going to talk about it because obviously it's such a key element of what's (laughs) going on on the boat. So if you don't like the misogyny chat, you might want to skip forward now. But, um, But I have been kind of really holding something back throughout the weeks that we've been talking about it because we did run a poll today, which was... Uh, this week, sorry, which was about why you think this boy-girl divide has happened on the boat. Like, who is responsible for it? We had more responses to this question than I think we've ever had in a poll. And Excellent. the majority of them were Ashton, followed by followed by Kevin. Um, and then other than that, it was just general boys or the guys. Right. Here's the thing that I just have to say, and I don't want to offend anybody because I hate the idea of ter- of generalizing, and right. I don't want to be responsible for calling a whole nation misogynistic pricks because that's absolutely not what I'm doing. But in my experience, when I have met South African men, not all of them, but a handful, a, a, a significant portion of the South African men I have met do display misogynistic ten like behaviors and i by that i don't mean that they're all sexist pricks but what what i do tend to see is quite old-fashioned values regarding gender now this is not every south african man i'm absolutely sure but i did kind of think if i'm going to say this i'm going to have a look around and look into it and some kind of do a little bit of research to see if i'm the only one that says this actually i'm not And, and you know i went i googled some stuff lonely planet starts off with you know old-fashioned attitudes to women are still common common among south african men regardless of color however this doesn't mean sexist behavior should be tolerated for most female visitors patriarchal attitudes and mild sleazy behavior are the main issues and i was like okay that's lonely planet that's a travel guide and then in wikipedia it sort of went on and general and and expanded a little bit and it said all racial and ethnic groups in south africa have long-standing beliefs concerning gender roles and most are based on the premise that women in south africa are less important important or less deserving of power than men. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say Wikipedia is true, but as I read it, there was also an article in The Telegraph from a journalist who moved there that I've put into the group. And I just think it's interesting to acknowledge that Ashton and Brian have grown up in this society that is fairly newly liberated, essentially. Right. Um, Well, I think this... Sorry, go ahead. No, go on. You can go. Yeah. So I think this goes, because there's a lot of things that I find, even just living in America, that since I've lived in Britain, I see a lot of things where America is still a little bit behind. And I often quite wonder 
if it's like a societal age. Like Britain has been a society a lot longer than America has. So is this just where, is this just like a natural learning curve? Like once you start giving or, you know, allowing for other people to have power, are there just these natural power struggles that come with like the age of your society? And like you and I were talking in our meeting, what was the year that apartheid ended? So apartheid ended in 1994, which, right, you know, it's 26 years ago. That is not, that is not that long ago. And that's a huge cultural shift. Absolutely. Of course, apartheid was largely, was, was about color. But that idea of certain classes of people feeds through and it clearly is feeding through into gender because we're seeing this when I do the research this is coming up so I just wonder if Ashton and Brian aren't just unconsciously kind of responding in a way that is how they've just been taught to to treat women and the good side of that if you read the article that I posted she's like there are positives to that you know let's not I I would never be nobody would ever see me walking down the street with a heavy box and not help me you know people will respect me you are you know, you are treated well as a woman by men, but not necessarily respected as an equal. Um, or as, like, know. the person who's holding the power. Yeah, like, of course. Like you and I were talking about, like, people deferring to, like, the masculine owner of the car, which, honestly, still happens in this country. Oh, I like, mean, I, I went took to my try car and- in the other day, and our car is in Elijah's name because we got it when I wasn't working. And so it's always like, well, do we need to check with him? And I'm like, no, it's my car. I yeah. say do this. It's fine. Um, but I just think it's really interesting, like looking at societies as a whole and seeing how they grow and evolve. And I just wonder if some of these major changes, like the civil rights movement in America, apartheid ending in South Africa, like if those are key moments that really make a society question everything, class, gender, all of that, when, when one kind of element of society changes in, in a rapid movement, I wonder if that makes everything then start to change. So if they're just behind that curve of learning. Yeah, and I I mean, mean, it's not... Not apologizing for it, but just recognizing that there are cultural differences where some of these things are coming from. Yeah, and let's face it, you know, in South Africa, Brian and Ashton as white men are about as privileged as it gets. And I don't know what their socioeconomic background is. I don't know whether they come from wealthy families or not, but they certainly have an element of privilege way far and beyond women or people of color in right. in South Africa. So I just wonder if there's a little bit of that. And it's almost gets to a point where I can't really hate them as much for it or hate right. their attitudes as much for it. Um, as if it was say an American or a Brit behaving like that, because it's like saying, you know, I hate my dad because he votes Tory and he believes that, you know, Harvey Weinstein didn't do anything illegal. I mean, let's... I, I, I can sit there and fight with him about it, but I'm never going to change him because to a certain extent that was, it's in his DNA. It doesn't make it right and it doesn't make it okay. But in terms of the compassion that I can have and the empathy, I'm more empathetic than I was previously. That doesn't mean that I don't think their behavior is despicable. Absolutely. It just means that I don't think they're necessarily innately horrible they're not people. Choosing. Sorry if you- <laughs> they're not choosing right. to actively be misogynistic. They are just misogynistic. Yeah, I don't know if what's worse, but, but do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like... You know, it's not like they're surrounded by well, better behavior and then they go, no, I still choose to be a dick about this. This is right. kind of what they know. And I think... That's probably why we see Ashton so blind to it because he just, he's like, but I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah, because I mean, he's still like very steadfastly, like this is how everyone behaves. And 
people just don't either admit to it or it's not on TV, which is fair enough. Like, I think most of us do things that we wouldn't necessarily want to be on film um, I to varying degrees. I mean, I don't think we're all, like, yeah. super hateful towards some people. But, um, no, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I And I agree. I, I do think there are a lot of things that are culturally based that if you are not from that culture, you may not quite understand, even though you can recognize things being wrong. Yeah. Does a, a, that make 100%. sense? 100%. I mean, and I'm not just saying that this is their issue. Like, I can look at myself and see prejudices, innate, unconscious prejudices within myself that I'm 38 and probably have really started to tackle properly in the last five years. Like, so this is something that I think goes on and on and on. They are still young. I'm not, I'm, I'm not excusing any of it. Um, But I also don't just want to do like a two dimensional chat where we go, well, they're just fucking cunts um, and move on because I think there's a little bit more to it. There's more. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think, you know, if you also look at the generation that raised them were part of apartheid. Yeah. Well, you know, they were, they, totally. that's how they grew up. And so you see, I mean, I don't think you see real change until like you see generations change, if that makes sense. Like my boys are being raised very differently than like my brother was raised by my dad. Like I think every generation learns more, changes and passes it on. And that's, I mean, I think that's, the key to growing society, right? Like society has to change and it's the younger generations that change when they have, like, I feel like it's when younger generations have children is when we see the most change. Like I already have consensual chats with my boys at seven and four, which I know my dad probably still to this day has never had a consensual chat with my brother. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like a hundred percent. And I think if this show, even in some way goes to kind of highlight, even triggers something in Ashton and Brian that gets them to maybe start questioning those kind of inherited values and ideals, then maybe that's a great thing. And maybe they can, you know, maybe they will be changing it when it comes to them having kids. Maybe Brian will be teaching his daughter a different set of values. God, I hope so. Um, But, you know, you just have to hope that they're open to it and that they can start to even begin to digest it. Like, that's all we need. I I don't need them to turn it around in a heartbeat, but I need to see a moment of light. Yeah, like maybe like an empathetic movement or or movement or like, oh, that's interesting. I'll think about that. I'm really excited (laughs) for the finale um, because I think this is going to be the first time since everybody has seen the show, like the cast members have seen the show, that they'll really get to interact on a different level and Captain Lee will get to interject, which I think will be fascinating. I can't wait. I agree. I'm really excited. I, um, I'm conscious that we spent a lot of time talking about that, yeah. so I don't want to rush through. But I think um, there are a few other things we want to talk about before we leave uh, Below Deck for good. Um, we did, you know, we had Kate and Kevin guess the finale to their relationship coming up too in this episode. <laughs> yes. um, and I've got to say, I love Kate. I'm here for her. She's not perfect. Um, but the ugly side to her tends to come out in reaction to the total douchebaggery of Kevin. But when it does come Absolutely. out, it is really nasty. It is. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this like last full moon party was, I think, really eye-opening to Kevin's behavior. Because I go back and forth on Kevin. There are some times where I just really don't like him. And I don't like the dynamic of him and Kate at all. It's definitely not one-sided. Like, they just don't like each other. Yeah. And that's fine. But I feel like in this party, we saw a very gross side to Kevin, like a very drunken, mean side to him, which I'm, I never drive with with anyone. I don't, I don't like mean drunks. I like happy drunks. Yeah, um, I mean, I agree. I mean, honestly, the way that Kevin 
kicked the sand, ran around naked, and then ran off without saying goodbye is basically what my toddlers did at play dates when they were two. Like, yeah. got into a sandbox, took their clothes off, ran around, and then just left. Like, that's how toddlers right. behave. It couldn't have been more childish that being said i don't like that kate keeps going he needs to apologize to me well are you ever going to apologize for setting him up for cock kate gate like yes it was funny and he deserved it but if you're asking for apologies then he's never going to give it to you if he doesn't think he's going to get one from you so can we both own this shit a little bit we did do a poll that said are kate and kevin as bad as each other 54% 54% said, hell yes. 46% said, no way. So it's quite split. Interesting. And then I followed it up with, if you said no, who was worse? And it was definitely everybody hated Kevin more. So either you think they're as bad as each other or you think Kevin's a dick. Right. I don't you remember know. what I put on that that poll. No, I I, I cheated and I think they're as bad both. as each other, yeah. to be honest. That's what I said. I said, yes, they're as bad as each other. And then I voted. But if I'd said no, it would have been Kevin. And I'm interested to see how he comes because I think he's gonna have I sort of feel like Kevin might have an element of like an ability to maybe reflect in a way that Ashton and Brian doesn't so I'm wondering if he's gonna come back to the reunion having seen some of the stuff with kind of a different vibe or whether he's just gonna double down on it I don't know I mean I think I think that'll be an interesting reveal I feel like when I watched him on watch what happens live he showed no remorse, which was the day that they were filming the reunion. Um, but I could just be projecting. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And then, of course, we have um, Courtney and Brian. Yeah, which Courtney does like a whole 180. Like at the beginning of things, she's like, I have no intention of being with him. Like, we're all done. And then they hook up at the end. Oh, I was spending the whole time. When they sat together in those deck chairs, I'm like, don't cave, Ooh. don't cave, don't cave, don't cave. And she fucking caves. <laughs> I was like, man. <laughs> Courtney was like my I, last remaining hope for women on that I will say boat. this, though. I feel like she caved with the knowledge that it was not going anywhere. So it was like a, like a goodbye fuck. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think she... I think all romantic notions were killed, and she was like, why the fuck not? It's the last night. Yeah. I feel like I that's how she caved, which yeah. I totally I'll understand. I'll give it that. I'll give her that. Even though it annoys me that he literally had just had to take his top off and ask the question. She's like, right. sure. And he I totally mean, it is knows a nice, it too. It is a nice chest, though. It it's really the Peen is. Ravine as well. The like, Peen you, Ravine. The Peen Ravine. We haven't seen enough of that Peen Ravine, frankly. No, we haven't. I, I'm quite disappointed. Uh, and then... Well, what in, I, Go on. Go ahead. I know what you're going to say. Well, I was going to say what I was really surprised with, with this party, was that Ashton controlled himself. He just went and like went to sleep in the tent. He totally controlled himself at this like full moon party, which is really like the time he could have let it all go. But I feel like his chat with Riley about them just like going to make this night be okay. He just went to sleep because he felt like that was the only way it could be okay. Yeah, uh, true. And also uh, going back to that quick chat, I know a lot of people slam Riley for not showing any restraint or patience, but I have to say... So I have never seen anybody show quite as much restraint or patience as Riley does in dealing with Ashton in these last few days. Like, yeah. I, I, high five. That girl can hold it together when she wants to. Absolutely. Um, and, I th- and I think it was the right move because ultimately she's not going to change him. But she can, like, you can change your behaviors towards somebody. And ultimately it doesn't matter. Like, what does Ashton matter in her life? No, true. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, and I think it's sometimes she's come to not that worth being upset about anymore. 
Uh, and then finally, I just want to do a quick high five. Happy dance, because, of course, Kate doesn't give in to Tanner's uh, irresistible charms. He was literally chasing her around that party. It was mortifying. I now think, looking back on it, that Kate never really had any intention of sleeping with Tanner. She was always leading him on. And when she finishes it with I'm a lesbian, it suddenly <laughs> occurred to me... She in was. Fact, she was a lesbian. <laughs> yeah. I'd forgotten all about that. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I think she goes both ways. Like, she loves who she loves, and that's cool. I get that. I mean, but I get I, that. But I'm so happy she did not sleep with him. And I think you're right. I think that one night was like a moment of drunken weakness. And like, it, because it didn't happen, it was never going to happen again. But it was so interesting that that little, that one little knock was the knock to spur on this, like, huge obsession with Tanner. It's just like, Tanner, grow up, dude. I know. Just because a lady wants it one time does not mean she wants it all the time. No, and and even if she did want it that night, I, I, it was so unsexy watching him chase her around that I don't think... Yeah. I think that would have been enough to dry me right up. Um, yeah. Anyway, we are going to do a mini-sode reunion... Um, as soon as that is out and happening. I think it's a two-parter yeah, I read as Monday. well. Is it a two-parter? I think it's a two-parter I read that. So it might be the week after, but we will yeah. get back to you. Uh, in the meantime, let's move on to the brand new baby of the Below Deck family, uh, Below Deck Sailing Yacht. Yeah, let's just drop the yacht. It sounds so awkward. It um, really but yeah, does. This season, we just meet everyone, don't we? And... Uh, yeah, I don't even know like where to start with this. We've got Captain Glenn, who's been on this one boat for 10 years, along with Paget and Ciara. We're going to have to, like, these names are going to give me struggles. Well, and also because I'm going to put out that Ciara, Ciara, Ciara already annoys me. I don't like the way she spells her name as to how she pronounces her name. I also am always a little bit wary of people who have been homeschooled. Sorry, anybody who's been homeschooled. Only because I was a no. teacher. And it's whenever you got a kid into your class that had been homeschooled until then, it was difficult for them, man. They couldn't figure that shit out. Social situation. I mean, they picked it up, but yeah. it was always a bit of a missing I'm con- social chip. Sorry. I mean, I'm going to put this out there. I'm concerned about their relationship because they met when she was 15 because he worked on her parents' boat. And she was homeschooled. <laughs> I don't think this weird. relationship is going to make it. Like, because the only time, like, the only thing that they've been doing together is working on boats together. Like, it's that's weird. not the world. No. Um, and homeschooling It's so bizarre world. to me. I know I've just offended everybody who's homeschooled or is homeschooling. Uh, I mean, you I'll, do what I'll you try want, make but I think... I think homeschooling now is different than what homeschooling was 20 years ago. Like now there's a lot more people that do it. There are meetup groups. From what I've seen, there's a lot more socialization that happens in the homeschooling thought process now because of what has been seen from homeschooled kids 20 years ago. Like I think it's a very different thing, but... I want to. I want to say that I, th- that's why you're my friend because you've given me like a little way out of my, you know, <laughs> the fact that I just offended everybody. Anyway, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll have the conversation. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't like her, but that could change. Paget, I, I don't hate. He's he owned his shit with the hot tub, yeah. which in below deck is unheard of recently. No, so I think we definitely see a different male dynamic on this boat. 
already. I mean, I think so, right? I think there has to be. But um, Adam is obviously back as well. He's he's notoriously, if you haven't seen any of the previous uh, seasons with Adam in it, he's notoriously really easy on the eye, but kind of a grumpy cunt. Yeah, so I saw him again. I saw him on Watch What Happens Live this week right after the new episode came out, and somebody called him out about the preference sheets because when he was on Below Deck Med, he, like, purposely flouted the preference sheets about, like, their eating, and, like, one guy didn't want onions, so he put a shit ton of extra onions in the food and was just, like, really fucking with them. But he said that that was the one and only time he's ever done that. He was like, this season, I follow those preference sheets like they're the Bible. So I think he's really trying to redeem himself yeah, on this I agree. show. And I think even in that season, med. I remember that season, even in that season, he, even he was like, I've taken it way too far. And he redeemed himself in that season. So yeah. I do think this is a new Adam. And I'm here for him because oh, if it's so not fit. Chef Ben, I'll have Chef Adam. I mean, he's so 100%. fit. Yeah. Um, We've got Jenna, new Chief Stew. Yeah. Chief Stew. Uh, I think it's safe to say she's kind of a hard ass. Uh, She's the bossiest Canadian I've ever seen in my life. They're normally so polite. Wow. Super chill. I am full of stereotypical generalizations today. Sorry about that. This is a positive (laughs) one, though. Um, Every Canadian I have ever known or met has been super sweet, very accepting, very open-minded. Um, <laughs> and Jenna looks like she's taking no shit. Like, I think she's going to put Kate to shame with I her agree. hardcore standards. I agree. And in fact, on one of the polls uh, that you posted, you said, what do you think of the new crew? One of the answers said, I love a bitch, but Jenna already rubs me the wrong way. They also say, Captain seems too nice. And I agree. Do you know who he reminds yeah. me of? You know, uh, the Princess Bride? Yes. You know, the guy who's not the giant, the little guy with the lisp? Yes. Inconceivable. He reminds me of that guy. I can't get him out of my head when I see his face. No, and I think the dynamic of the fact that Captain Glenn, Paget, and Sierra have been on this boat, just the three of them, for so long is going to cause issues in the season. I think Sierra is going to forget that she's a deckhand and not a stewardess, which I think we've already seen a little bit of in this episode. And I think that little family triad, in quotes, is going to become a problem. Yeah, because I think less so that they are like this lovely, warm family, and more that they're just institutionalized and a bit fucking weird. Yeah, because, I mean, let's let's just take a moment. That boat was in shit shape for all the new crew members to come on board and get ready for a charter. Like, that should not have happened. Like, I think there are basic things that should have been working. Like, how were they cooking if the cooker wasn't But also, what the fuck have they been doing? Yeah, fucking around. Like, I don't get it. And and that's where I think is going to be a problem. Like, I think, and I think that's what probably you meant by, like, that institutionalized, like, family yacht. Like, it's It's not a family yacht. It's a fucking charter yacht. And it, there are, are going to need to be standards. And I feel like maybe that's where we s- saw Jenna come in hot. I would have come in hot if I came in and had to do that much fucking work to get the boat in, like, basic shape. I mean, thank God she's got the Energizer Bunny Madison with meow tattooed on the inside of her lip. I mean, I already love her. She's already great. Right. But can we just talk about I love a drunk tattoo? <laughs> 
I'm going to stick with my drunk pizza because that that's like my go-to. I feel like it's in a very American go-to because I feel like you can make very questionable choices getting drunk tattoos. Well, the other thing is when I got, when I got my tattoos, um, they always ask me if I'm drunk. Yeah. I've always, like, I've always acted on the knowledge that <clears throat> you actually couldn't be drunk getting tattoos. Like it's actually kind of against tattoo code. Well, I think it's against the law, but I, th- I suppose yeah. if you're good at acting sober and you sign the release form, then fuck it, they'll do it. They're covered. But I would suggest right. to any tattoo artist out there that anybody who comes in and wants meow tattooed on the inside of their lips, they're probably not sober. Oh my gosh, do you remember in The Real Housewives of the OC, Ryan got a mouth tattoo as well? Oh my God. Tamara's do son Ryan that? did. Yeah, it was like Nugget or something like that because he was having a baby. I knew I'd seen another one somewhere and I couldn't remember where I'd seen it. Oh, man. Um, Maybe that's the title of this episode, I Love a Drunk Tattoo. Um, Yeah. So we've got Madison, we've got Georgia, who I don't really like either because this fake English accent bothers me, but maybe she'll be fine. And Parker the deckhand, neither of whom we really got to see or learn that much No, we haven't really gotten to know. Or Byron, the chief engineer, which is the first time that they've kind of featured the engineer as kind of a personality on the boat. So we'll see. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do some, we're going to do some quick predictions. Are you ready? Excellent. Who do you think we are going to love on Blow Deck Sailing Yacht? I think we're going to love Adam. Obviously. Because I think we already kind of do. Um, Girl-wise, I, I think I'm going to love Jenna, actually. I'm, I'm going to put that out there. I think Madison's going to end up getting on my nerves, and I think Georgia's going to end up getting on my nerves too. I'm going to call it on Madison for me, but I could be completely wrong. Uh, Who are we going to hate? I think I'm going to hate Ciara. I already hate her. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. Um, Yeah. Who do you reckon's going to get fired? Oh. I want to say Paget for this, and I don't know why. Ooh, interesting. But I want to, I'm going to say that. I, and again, could be 100% wrong. These are just uh, first impressions. But I feel like something's going to go very wrong. Possibly that Sierra is going to do something really wrong, and he's going to end up taking the fall for it. Because oh, I wow. think their relationship is going to totally break down with them having to, like, him being her boss on the deck. Okay, interesting. Um, who's going to walk? Do you think anybody's going to walk? See, I would have said maybe Paget walking, but who oh, knows? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I don't and know. Then, I feel like I, I'm like I don't know some of these people well enough to make that judgment yet. Uh, and then who's going to hook up? Oh, I think Jenna and Adam are going to hook up. Do you? Yeah. I think Adam and Madison. He's ah. I, I love him, but he likes them young and cute and pretty. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. I do also uh, like on this show that we're going to learn sailing terms like the donkey dick. Yes. I mean, if, if all sailing terms are like that, I'm really excited. I am here for sailing. I am here for sailing <laughs> and donkey dicks. Uh, okay, perfect. Well, I'm interested. Let's see how this plays out. But if it means I get to watch Adam once a week, I'm on board. But for now, Absolutely. let's head over to Vanderpump Rules. Well, we're still in Miami, which I feel like we've been... This is now the third week we're in Miami? Yes. I feel like yes, it, is. it is. Yeah, that's a, that's a long time. It's a, the longest bachelorette I've ever been to. Um, Dude, that I dinner feel- was such a downer. 
But the whole fucking thing's been a downer. Uh, I love Brittany and her southern peppiness because she's like, I just yeah. had the best bachelorette party. <laughs> We're like, but did you? Because really? all I saw was people just being fucking cunts to each other. Right? Like, could you just put your cuntiness for a side for a weekend? I know. Like, it's like, just the put it stri- in a box. The first club ends in tears because of the Britney don't do it sign and Kristen gets in her ear and causes all that fuss. The dinner is a nightmare because everybody's fighting. But then they go to the strip club the next night. There's more fighting going on. The boys turn up in, as old men. We'll come to this. Um, yeah, they love fancy but dress. But Britney's still there like, this was the best damn bachelorette I ever did have. And you just think, you're crazy. She's so optimistic. I mean, she's so marrying Jax. Like, <laughs> that girl needs to be filled have to, to the be, brim with you? optimism. Yeah. I mean, you'd really have to be good at putting on the happy face of life. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Um, but I just, love her for that. To be really honest, I, I love her for that. I think it's very genuine. I yeah. don't think she plays a lot of the games that the other girls do. Um, no, I, I like real, her a lot, actually. There's a real innocence to her that I, I yeah. really... Or naivete. I, we'll see. Either one. I mean, I kind yeah. of respect it because I think if you've been totally. in the... Sh- like, it's amazing that she's held on to that. Uh, I don't know how grounded in reality it is. But I'm listen, right. if that's what helps her get through the day, then fine. Go for um, it. We had this a lot of it about Stacey, Kristen, Katie, Triangle. And clearly, yeah. obviously I have only watched this season, but clearly they've been really good mates oh. in the past. Well, they've been this kind of friends. For the yeah. entire time. Like, there's always an issue. Oh. Someone always is always causing problems. Like, this triad, it's not the healthiest friendship. Um, but I really like Stasi for kind of trying to figure it out, if that makes yeah. sense, like, in this episode. Like, really being like, look, like, I want to be your friend. This is just an issue. Yeah. Um, and-, and I think Kristen blows a lot of things out of proportion, to be honest. As I does agree. Katie. I agree. But I think also Kristen's one of those friends that's very take, take, take. And I also yeah. think she has extremely unrealistic high expectations of friends. And this is a thing that, like, I've battled with. Like, it's not okay to throw this shit at somebody and say, right. well, if you're not by my side for everything, and if you're not on my side for everything, then you're not a friend. Because right. The point of friends are that they're the ones that can, with love, turn around and go, babe, you're fucked up. Absolutely. You're being kind of a dick. Or yeah. let me give you an out of this, like, horrendous thing that you just said. Like, that's what friends do for each other. There you we, go. We only see each other on Fridays via Skype, and only since we really started the podcast. But we've been friends for ages, and I don't have any of those expectations. Like, A, there, it's, there's a physical impossibility of us being there for everything for each other. But I also feel like there are certain situations where you should be able to look at your friend and be like, you're being a dick. Yeah. Check yourself. And it's not easy to hear, even from a friend. God, no. But you just have to give everybody the benefit of the doubt and know that if they are your friend, then what they're telling you is almost certainly coming from a place of love, even if you don't like what the fuck they're saying. And interestingly, Stacey and I are obviously mind twins because she essentially says what I said last week, which is, do you know what? Just get back together with Carter. I can deal right. with you having a boyfriend that I don't love, but don't do any of this in-between bullshit. Yeah, I always feel like the in-between is the hardest to fucking deal with with anything. Like, make a fucking decision. Should or get off the pot. Don't make everybody live in the murky middle with you. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Um, 
The other thing that we got a little bit more on, and then please God, can we move on, is the Toms and Stasi book launch and all of this bullshit. And and Tom Schwartz finding out that Tom Sandoval is going to throw him under the bus or whatever it is that's being said. Um, yeah, I, I still feel even with this conversation, Sandoval just railroaded Schwartz and Schwartz just went along with it. I think Schwartz has a real problem standing up to Sandoval. I think he will to other people, but I think when it's face-to-face, he kind of crumbles. I mean, I, I feel like he kind of stood up more for himself in this conversation than any others in the past, but I still feel like Sandoval is the dominant in the Sandoval-Schwartz relationship. A hundred percent. He's... He's at Sandoval's an emotional manipulator, and he's also enormously insecure. So he can't be in any kind of relationship where he isn't right. the boss. And I think that's interesting when you look at him and Ariana because she's very quiet, meek, mild. I don't know what she was like before, but that's how she comes off now. And she's all about like standing up for her man. Um, she is, and I feel like that's surprising because when we first met her, when they were just friends, she's not that way. And I even feel like when we see her without him, she's not that way. But again, I think maybe she's one of those personalities as well that like he's the dom and she's the subservient in that relationship. So she just kind of crumbles to yeah. his face. Yeah, I agree. I think I agree with you on Tom Schwartz. I think I just want him to stand up to him a little bit more. Yeah, because I think what Schwartz is saying is 100% fucking accurate and smart shit. Like, he's not just a pretty face. I actually think he's a lot smarter than he lets on. And I think he plays the dumb friend to Sandoval's ego to build up Sandoval. And I'm kind of over it. I think that nails it. And interestingly, when we do a little bit of the pride flashback from previous years, well back in LA with LVP, we see her at Pride behind the bar serving drinks. Just like any business owner would do when your fucking bar is full of people that want drinks, you get behind there and serve. Because her ego is not too big to get in the way of doing a good job. So, Which makes her a badass. Like, Tom, if you really want to be a badass, you would have just jumped behind that bar and fucking did it if you needed to. Yeah. And, like, just relax. Like, you're making this all too complicated. It's a lot. Other than Miami, we did have interesting conversation between Danica and Dana. One of these, um, just woman to woman. I am not a fan of Danica. Like, uh-huh. I don't know if they're testing her out to maybe bring her on the show. Because I feel like this is how it always starts. Like, there are these little cameo appearances of them. Then they start bringing them into the confessionals. I don't like her. I don't like girls who use the woman-to-woman chat to try to, like, read the other. Yeah. Um, Because that's exactly what happened. Like, Danica just wanted Dana to feel like shit and feel like she made a bad choice in a dude when it actually does not fucking involve her. It's not your business. Dana no, she can was being shady sleep with whoever shit. the fuck she wants. Fuck yeah. off. She was You're being not looking shady out for shit. her. And, and who she was looking out for was Sheena, and she's going to go straight back to Sheena yeah. and tell her because we've seen them hanging out thick as thieves. Um, right. Again, Dana just impresses me, goes straight back to Max, has this shit out. And you know who else she impresses? Lisa, Lisa Vanderpump. Vanderpump. Lisa but why Vanderpump. Why wouldn't she? Right? She's just grown She's up, awesome. smart, yeah. does the job, gets on with it. No fucking around, no drama. No. And I think ultimately that's that's what Lisa wants. Like, and it, I found it really interesting because Lisa was talking to her friends and was like, that girl's going to be a manager here. Like, she calls it immediately with Dana. 
I feel like Sheena should question why she's been there for a billion years and never been promoted. Yeah. I mean, she never will, but you're right. Dana is just head and shoulders, more mature, more grown up, more committed, less addicted to the drama. Um, Yeah. And she's not taking any shit. She's not falling for it. She's not insecure. Do you know what I mean? There's no insecurity. She's like, that allows her to get needled by that that shit yeah, that's yeah. going on. She just lets that go over her. She's like a less dramatic Stasi 2.0. Like, if Stasi had gone into Sir now, I feel like she would be a lot like Dana is. Yeah. But because Stasi started ages ago, she had to like she went through like the drama period to then become like this chilled out version of herself. Where Dana is already that chilled out version of herself, but. I'm here for it. I'm really happy Dana's on the show. It's nice to see a self-confident woman working in this environment. Yeah, well, and it's also nice to see a self-confident woman that's not just here to bring other women down too, not just here to bitch and fight and moan. Um, But yeah, I'm excited to see where where that goes as well. Um, And then New Jersey. New Jersey. So we kind of pick up right where we left off with, like, the license birth certificate gate, which I'm going to stick by my guts. Like, I think Gia's being kind of a dick about the driver's license. Like, she's a senior in high school, so she's probably 17, 18. So she's had her license for a couple of years now. I think she could have managed to remember to bring that. Yeah, I I mean, at that age, if it's your license and you know you've got to bring it, then you take responsibility for bringing it. I mean, you don't, I get it. If your mum's coddled you, then maybe you don't. But, but I mean, your mum was also in prison and you were on your, kind of your own for a while yeah. as well. But step it up, dear, a little bit. I mean, I love yeah. her and she's so good. I do so too. I don't want to sit here and slam her. I don't re- either, but you got to take responsibility. For, like, it's not 100% your mum's fault. No. That these things weren't packed. But I do feel like... There's a little bit of privilege working in their favor here that, like, they just let them use pictures on the phone. Like, yeah. I feel if they were people of color and not famous, that shit would not have flown. 100% agree with you. And I remember thinking that, and I was like, I wonder if this is just because they're on a TV show. But actually, you're right. If they had been people of color and not on a TV show, or they would, they would not have got in. No, or just not famous at all. Like maybe just like your everyday white yeah. people. That probably wouldn't have worked either. Your everyday white. Your everyday. Your everyday white person. <laughs> your everyday white person. <laughs> um, your non-famous white people would probably anyway, also good, not be able to do that. The good thing is they do get in regardless of how where. So at least the kids good, can see their dad. In quotes. The good thing. Yeah. Uh, so at least the kids can see their dad. Um, but honestly. I sh- He's being a real dick to Teresa, man. He really is. Like, not just a dick, but actually really unkind. He's being hateful. Yeah. Hateful is the word. Like, and I don't know whether he's just one of these emotionally retarded idiots that, like, because he's in pain, he's lashing out, making sure everybody else is in pain. I definitely Um, think that's part of it. Or whether he's vindictively wanting to fuck her over because he feels like she's shown him up by doing such a fucking great job while he's in there. Like... And that's the other 50%. Yeah. Those I think, are the two things. I think maybe that's it. But it's unforgivable, the shit that he is saying to yes. her. Like, if if you don't want to be with her, then just say, look, I don't know if this is going to work. Like, have that conversation nicely. Don't 
do it publicly on speakerphone with Dolores. Don't fucking do no. it in front of your kids and say that I feel nothing for you. It's well, just don't bullshit. Do it. Don't do it passive aggressively. Like, have some respect that this woman had your children, is paying for your lifestyle because you've landed them in a bunch of shit. Have some respect and have a grown-up conversation. Like, you know what? I don't think this is working. I prob- I don't think it's honestly been working for a long time. When this is all over, let's just part waves and move on and be great co-parents. Like, that's what an emotionally probably secure person could have that conversation. And maybe that's why he can't. But, like, these just needling bullshit, passive-aggressive remarks are just gross. And it makes me feel bad that the girls are sticking up for him while he does that. Because I feel that's... That's going to lead to some, like, negative self-talk in the future. Yeah. For them. It's, well, and it's a shitty situation for Teresa because she's forking out all this money on lawyers for him. So, A, he's never going to say, I don't want anything to do with you because otherwise who the fuck's going to pay his lawyer's bills? Right. Um, but also, she is the only one that's actually thinking about the kids. Joe's just wallowing in a self-pity lake the size of fucking a the really ice facility. Lake. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> and... He's not thinking about anybody else except himself and how poor his situation is and how bad his lot is. Well, here's a newsflash, babe. You broke the fucking law and you're not an American citizen, so this is the shit that happens. And it is your fault. Right. This this is what happens. It's not Teresa's fault. It's not anybody's fault except yours. Um, No. And and honestly, I don't think it's because he's famous. I don't think they're actually using him to, like, prove a point. Like, I think you've broken the fucking law— and that's the way this works. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. think he's being treated sh- more shabbily than anybody else in the same situation. No, I agree. I think, you know, I don't know it very well, but I imagine if you break the law and you're not an American citizen, then they kick you out. I think it's that simple. I mean, I think it's probably that way in every country. Like, I think if I was not a British citizen and I broke the law in Britain... I would probably be removed as well. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know immigration rights. I, I barely know them here. I mean, seemingly That's- we don't know them very well, but um, <laughs> but I feel like every country probably has something in the books similar. Like if yeah. you break the law when you're here, you probably have to go back to your home country if this is not your home country. Uh- I don't know. I agree. I, we, I mean, we could do some research if we could be asked. We'll come yeah, back to yeah, you next yeah. week. But if we somebody knows, on. let us know. The, I mean, yeah. the other thing, of course, is that Joey Gorga drops the truth bomb, which is like, I never liked the way he treated you. And it's it's really interesting because I think that he always felt that. Like, it's not like this is a surprise to anybody. Right. But it's a big step, I think, for him to say that to her in this family. It's very much like you totally. don't get involved with somebody else's relationship. It's not, a, you, you don't have an opinion on this because it's, you right. know, you unless your you're Teresa. To your business. Well, yeah. Because Teresa, Teresa definitely had an opinion about Melissa, but. Um, uh, but yeah, I yeah. think it's interesting that he's still like, I just don't think they should be spending this money, but I also know that I can't make Gia change her mind. Yeah. No, I mean, I think he, he is playing it right in this scenario. Like, I think he is being honest about his feelings about Joe Judice because let's be honest, he's never fucking treated Teresa nicely. Um, he's always been kind of a cock. 
So, <laughs> you know, it's nice to hear Joey kind of say that. Um, but I also think he's he's just trying to, like, be there for all of them and, like, offer advice, but also understand where they're coming from. And that's a hard place to be. Yeah. Um, but I think he's doing a good job. It really is. And just while we're here, can we take a moment to appreciate Joey Gorga's Instagram? Because without the hint of any irony at all, it is hands down the my favorite place to be. It's basically, if you don't know it, it's basically pictures of him looking really buff with um, inspirational quotes over it that he then sort of takes credit for a bit, like he yeah. came up with it. Um, and one of them in particular always makes me smile because it says, the greatest prison we live in is the fear of what other people think. Which would be true, except if you're Joe Judice, in which case you'd probably be like, hmm, actually, maybe, maybe not so true. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Joe Judice is now jetting around the world, fondling women in many different countries. So it seems like he's living his best life. I question these women, though. Like, I know he's lost a lot of weight, but he is not fit. No, but do you question that? I mean, here's the thing. Like, I know that you and I... He doesn't even have money, so no, I don't really understand it, to be honest. I know, but he's got fame. He's got notoriety. He's got paps <laughs> taking pictures of him. Like, some women, I know not yeah. you and I, and I know not women no. that you and I know and love, but some women just want to be <laughs> with a guy who gets paparazzi. Like, I mean... I would not want to handle Joe's sausage for any amount of pictures in the cocktail world. His <laughs> Italian sausage. Oh. I mean, there oh. are many more sexy Italians that I would handle their sausage over Joe Chudice. I shit you not, a little bit of sick just came into my mouth. Like, real As it sick. should. I feel like I'm dried up <sighs> like an 80-year-old woman, even just by saying it. Um... What else do we want to talk about on New Jersey? You know what? I want to have a moment for Jackie's conversation with oh, her yeah. dad about her eating disorder because I feel like it's this it's the same conversation we kind of saw her have with Margaret where it was a very factual representation of what she was dealing with and I think she took ownership of never showing it to him. I think she calls him out a little bit because her dad is also a yo-yo dieter, so maybe some of this behavior was a little bit learned. But I think when he made the comment a few weeks ago about how she was an inspiration to people losing weight, I think that was more like she was inspirational to him because he was never able to lose all that weight. He never realized that it was done in a very like self-destructive manner until she was really open and honest about it. And I really appreciate the frankness in which she spoke the ownership of her feelings that she took and his reaction, I think, was really great. Like, yeah, oh my I God, I had no idea. It was really interesting because it contextualized the previous episode where like we were shocked and horrified by what right. he had said. But then when you put it into that context, it makes so much more sense. Um, and I think you're right. I was interested to find out that he was also very ob weight obsessive. Um, right. And... I think we see Jackie doing what she did with Margaret and doing what she did with her dad and actually doing what she does with Jen later, just yeah. not taking any bullshit and and not and sidestepping drama by just being straight to the point. At this yeah. point with Jen and Jackie, I don't think it's a case of her being willing or not to accept Jennifer's apology. I just think Jackie looks at Jennifer and thinks, I don't think I want to be your friend. Like, I, I, I think you're 100% correct. And I think Jackie also feels like she's at a point in her life where she doesn't need to be friends with people she doesn't want to be friends with. And I think I really 
appreciate that about her. Like, I think more people should be that way and direct about how they feel and fine if they don't, other people don't feel the same way. Like, it's okay. A hundred percent. And I think Jennifer is, every time I see Jennifer and Jackie together now, Jennifer comes off looking worse and worse and worse. Oh, yeah. Um, And obviously they're about to go to the, not the Georgie Shore. Jersey Shore. Different, different show. The Jersey yeah. Shore. Um, she's about to go to the Jersey Shore with the husbands. And they thought initially that would all be fine because the husbands all get on and they can mitigate oh, this, man. The, the estrogen. Apparently not so much anymore. I normally love Joey Gorga. And I think his heart was in the right place with this conversation with Bill where he really wanted to step up for his wife. But the fucking way he went about it and the words that he chose where you got to straighten her out and have sex with her more to chill her out was not fucking cool. It was not cool. (laughs) It was a really rare misstep for Joey as well. It really, yeah. Because it's not his usual style. And I think what he falls prey to a little bit here is our kind of pet hatred of like locker room talk, like boy chat. Um. Two, uh, first of all, I don't think Bill's that guy. No, Bill uh, looked horrified, and, and rightly so. Like, yeah, I mean, if anybody spoke to my husband about yes. me like that, I would fucking rip their nuts off with a blunt spoon and make them chew them. Like, I, it, it's yeah. not okay. No. Having said that, I have no doubt that Joey will own it and apologize. I, I think I have no doubt that's how he'll deal with yeah. it. And we all say the wrong things. And I think he really misjudged what he thought was like funny because yeah, he's yeah, linking yeah. it back to kind of poker night. But actually right. it lands it, it, really badly. It was, yeah, it wasn't the right moment. But you know what? I feel like we also see Jen popping off Jackie in kind of the same manner, like calling her frigid and that she doesn't suck her husband's dick. Like, the shit that came out of her mouth simply because Jackie's like, I don't accept your apology. Like, I feel like Jackie was a grown up in that situation, and Jen fucking loses her shit. And it's and it's almost the exact same thing. Like, Bill just walked away because he's like, I'm not gonna be part of this conversation. Like, this this does not reflect who I am or what I'm all about. But I found it interesting that like Jen was so ready to essentially attack the same things. Jen's always grasping at accountability straws. Do you know what I mean? Like, she she can't do it. She can't take any accountability. So in this conversation with Jackie, it's Margaret's fault because she brings up the, you know, it's always somebody else's fault. And Jen is a bit like Tom Sandoval. I'm sorry, but the king of I'm sorry, but. I'm yet to see a glimmer of hope for her moral fiber this season. And it's un- and it's a bit sad because in previous seasons I've always found her really fun, but she is being shown up to be really shallow, very narrow minded, um, and kind so of unkind childish. and unkind, super and cool. unkind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I'm so- very excited about going to the Jersey Shore. Oh yeah, I mean the Jersey Shore is infamous for class and taste and restraint, so I'm sure that's what we're going to see. Can't wait. Uh, and then finally, very cavalry. Absolutely. This show, and I mean, you and I spoke about this a little bit before recording. I don't know if I find this show so easy to talk about because I identify to pretty much 100% of what Kristen is going through as a mom, as a business owner, as all that. I don't. I mean, obviously, I don't have the same privilege that she has or the business size that she has, but I just, I love this show. 
Yeah. To the, I do. To the hatred it's of funny. my husband. Because he really cannot stand Jay that. Cutler. But. Well, we all know how I feel about Jay Cutler. Yeah. Um, two things. It's funny you say that because literally the first note I have is that's why I really like the show. Out of them all, despite the $11 billion and the gazillion mansions, I yeah. relate to Kristen the most. Um, right. And she is really relatable. I think that's why I like her. Even the, despite the gazillions of money, right. uh, uh, pots of gold and, you know, the mansions, she is still really real and really relatable. And she's a, and she's a real mum and she's a real wife and she's a real business owner. So I love this show too. I also love that Jay is getting donkeys because it's always been a dream of mine to own donkeys. I, and I would call, <laughs> I would have a donkey and I would call it ears. That's what I've always wanted to call it. And I say it's a dream of mine. It's actually been a dream of Jimmy's and mine. But with Jay in the picture, I think I don't think Jimmy's got a chance. Would so, you get full-size donkeys or mini donkeys? Because they're getting mini donkeys. Well, let me tell you, they've thrown kind of a spanner in my works because I was always going to get <laughs> full-size donkeys because I didn't know that miniature donkeys existed. But now I think I'm going to have to get miniature donkeys. Well, I think if they're just like dogs, then why not? Right. I mean, I, I I think I'd prefer a donkey to dogs, though I think their shit is probably bigger. Uh, yeah, I think so too. But but it's definitely outside. Like you don't have to take them out. To, yeah. You don't have to walk no. a donkey. Well, I mean, I don't know. We did see them doing like calisthenic workouts with them helping fences <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> oh my god, they were so cute! I want a donkey. Um, yes, uh, but I was inter- It was interesting to see. Kristen struggle throughout this episode with that where can I cut back because I think that that's something that I certainly feel a lot of I know that I do a lot I know I do a lot and I know that I should probably cut back but when I look at it I'm like I don't want to cut and I don't want to cut anything back 100% I feel this is exact same way and I think she really um she says something like super smart that like Work, working, being a mom, being a wife, all fill different pots of her soul. Without one of them, she wouldn't be who she is. So in a way, she can't really cut back. I mean, my mom constantly tells me I do too much, and it's been like the mantra of my life since I was a child. But that's who I am, and that's the only way I feel okay. When I don't have a lot going on, I feel like I probably get depressed because I feel like everything that I have fills a different part of my soul. So I need all those things because that's fulfilling. Yeah, and it's not necessarily how much I have oh, on no. that, 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 that I struggle with. The stress comes from, you know, the, the responsibility of people relying on you or having to bring the money in or, you know, the admin or the emotional management of shit. Right. The kid, you know, it's it's the stuff that goes around it. But like you say, it's all stuff that I love and that I'm passionate about. So I find it very hard to let something go. But it's also nice to know that she does as well. And in fact, we asked on um, the poll whether sh- whether Kristen should step back from Uncommon James. Uh, oh, look at me. And I haven't, it's the only one I haven't got the answer for because... That's okay. Look it up and I'll keep talking. Because I think what's really interesting is we start the episode out by Jay being like, no, you really do need to cut back. Like, have you thought about selling? Have you thought about all this stuff? But then towards the end of the episode, he agrees with her. Like, it's not the right time for her to step away from the business quite yet. Like, she does this amazing thing with, like, her top 10 customers and flies them out to Nashville and really talks to them 
and reveal and that reveals that they're very inter- like they're invested in her, not necessarily in Common James. They're invested in her, and I think that's where her business is right now. Like she is the brand, so she can't really step away at this moment. But then they both talk about towards the end, like in you know. That's just where we're at with the business. In a few years, it may look very different, and it very well may. So I think that is a really interesting kind of growth that we see through the episode. No, exactly. Interestingly, it's not as clean-cut on the poll. Should Kristen step back from Uncommon James? 48% yes, 52% no. So it's really split down the middle, which is is interesting because I would have thought— um, that the majority of people would have gone for it. In fact, it was 10 votes for yes and 11 votes for no. Wow. I so, think I voted for no. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, it's it's. we'll see how they figure it out, but I do love that yeah. Jay is supporting. Supportive. I love seeing the arc as well. It's not just like a fake, sure, babe, I got you whatever you need. It's like he's Fuck. looking at it. He sees the different elements. He figures it out. It comes to that realization himself, not just because there are cameras on him. No, it's real life. I mean, that I feel like that this discussion just highlights what marriage is all about. Like, it's never clear cut. Like, it's never just one way or another way. Like, it's always about you guys kind of coming together and figuring out a solution that just works for you. Because I think not only do we put all this onus on ourselves because we're the responsible ones and, like, you're responsible for many different things— I think society does. Like, society tells you as a working mom, like, you need to want to stay home and be with your kids more, or you don't, or whatever. Like, I feel when it comes to motherhood, it's not just you. It's everybody else feels like they have an opinion on what you should be doing, and you feel that, and you take it in, and you have to kind of dissect it. Well, I mean, I wrote the same thing down. Like, when did we get to a point where we were made to feel like we had to be there for every bedtime? Like, that we had to be there at every drop-off and every pickup. Um, And there is this feeling that if you're a mom and you're missing bedtime, then, you know, is the juggle worth it? Right. I'm not saying— Where men are never asked that question, ever. No. But I'm not saying don't spend time with your kids by any stretch. But I am saying— you don't have to be there at every bedtime. Like, if you want to be, fine. And if you can be, totally cool. Knock yourself out. But if you don't want to be, also fine. Your kids will not be damaged. Um, no. And I think that was really interesting. She's like, I feel really guilty when I miss a bedtime. Um, and I just want to say, babe, you don't need to feel guilty when you miss a bedtime. Yeah, but I think I think when she says that, I think bedtime is something she actually likes. Like, you don't like bedtime at your house, which is totally fine. So I think you feel that way. I feel like some people, like that may be the only time she gets to see them. So maybe she missed them the whole day. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and which again is fair enough. I feel like this is a backlash. So I feel like we had like moms in the fifties, predominantly all stayed home. They all pushed their daughters to go to work. So like in the eighties, we had like a lot of latchkey kids, a lot of like daycares came about. There were no parents home. Now I feel like we're the generation, or at least like my mom worked two jobs and I went to daycare. So like, I feel like me now, it's like I have the ability to be there for some of these things, but I also can work if I want to. So therefore I have to do it all, which is probably not healthy either. (laughs) Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a hard, I feel like we go through these generational shifts and it's just hard. Mumming is fucking hard and it's hard for everybody. And ultimately we're all just trying to do our best. And I think that's what we all need to put on each other. Like everybody's doing their best. Everybody can do whatever the fuck they want. All of the kids are going to be fine because we all care about them. 
end up. And I think that's the thing. Like, if you're worried or feeling guilty about something because society makes you feel guilty about it, that's bullshit. If you're worried or feeling guilty about something because it doesn't sit right with you on a very personal level or right. you can see it impacting your kids or whatever, then that's a different thing. Make a choice, do, a, Absolutely. do something differently. But I just get annoyed that there is this general feeling that we have to spend way all the time that we possibly can right. with our kids. It's okay to go and do your own thing for a little bit. Absolutely. And I feel like it's it's definitely more a female problem than male problem. Like my husband does what he needs to do for work. And I feel like that's never questioned. I mean, yeah, I think we, we've talked about this before. I think you've written about it before on your blog about like how... Didn't you do something about like how we're always applauding men for doing kind of the smallest thing, whereas like women do these small things all the time and it's just part of their job. It's like, well, that's just part of the dad's job too. Like it's not, let's not throw a parade. You know, there's there's the amount of fights we've had over whose work is more important. You know, there is an underlying, well, sort of not anymore, but there has been in the past that Jimmy's work is more important because he earns more money than me. Well, sometimes he does, some years he right. doesn't. But it wasn't it was an assumption and I think yeah. it's not so much anymore, but we had to get to that place. Absolutely. Anyway, moving on. Um yeah. we see Britney and PJ and this looks like actually not quite the kind of rebound quick shag she was hoping for. No, I think this definitely has relationship status. I, I, I think they're going to be in a relationship is kind of my prediction for all of this. But I think what's really interesting is you put up a poll question and I think a lot of people reacted in a very different way than I did. Um, what was your poll question about PJ's question? So, interestingly, hang on, my computer's... Um, I feel like I was probably the only one that felt differently. Do you want me to pull it up? I don't know. My, yes, would you? Because my computer's, my iPad's frozen. Um, I wrote, because there was one thing that made me kind of, it was a, there was something he said that made me kind of go, ooh, when he was like, are right. you beyond repair? Um, and, and you could see Brittany, you could see it kind of hit her a little bit in the nuts as well before she composed herself yeah. and like figured it out. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the poll reactions were. Have you... Well, it was kind of two to one because there was only like three responses on this anyway. So two people were just like, uh, that's not a good comment. We, I don't like him. It's a little bit tactless. Whereas I wrote, I think it's a very honest question. And I think for me is I was the person that asked those types of questions and kind of still am. Like, I don't feel like he said it to be mean. I think... No. This is dating when you're older. And, like, I think it was a very valid question. Like, well, you know, do you think you can kind of love again? I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think he put it in those terms. So I think you're absolutely right. I think maybe the phrasing was really clumsy. Like, I feel like, are you being prepared? Like, that implication that you're broken. Are you broken? Yeah, but I don't think she took it that way either. Like, I think it made her really think about it. And maybe if the phrasing had been different, maybe she wouldn't have listened. Like, I I don't think he was being a dick. I think he just threw that out there because, you know, maybe she doesn't feel that she can love again right now or whatever. Um, I don't know. It it was just something that I thought was really interesting because I... I identified with PJ. I would have 100% said something, probably the exact same phrasing, but as well, more of I like a talking well, point. I never, I could, he's given me no indication 
to, uh, right. to, to think that he's anything other than a really kind, sweethearted, gentle, patient person. I think it was just more of a like, I guess dating in in America is also different. Like it's much more kind of transaction. Like it's kind of like this is, we're, we're seeing how each other works out. We're, we're sort of getting to I grips think- with each other. Whereas in England, we just sort of get drunk and shag. Well, but I think you also, I think it's an age thing. Like, I think you get drunk and shag when you are, like, in your early 20s. But I think she's older than that. Like, I think if you are in, like, your 30s plus, I think dating is that way. Um, I think it is a little bit more blunt and kind of to the point. Like, I don't want to waste my time here. Like, can you move on? If you can't, like, that's fine. But I'm going to need to move on because I'm I'm not in that place yet. And I think that's dating when you're older. Yeah. Does that I, make sense? I agree like, to a certain extent. Yeah, I totally get it. Um, also, we did ask whether Britney, it was too soon for Britney to date. Interestingly, um, 13 people said, yes, it's too soon. Seven people said no. That was I think I was one of the seven that said no. I said um she should do, like I I feel like there's no rules do you know what I mean I right. think maybe he could be the right guy at the wrong time maybe he's just what she needs you just don't know but I think she needs to be open to it w- yeah we'll see um I think it's a kick in the nuts that Stone's dating again um oh but he's again, being such a dick about it too like I know he I, is a hundred percent rubbing her face in it by taking yeah. that girl to like their spot in Mexico that's fucking disrespectful like I don't care who ends the relationship you don't have to be a dick about it and he is being a dick about it like she's really trying to be thoughtful like she's not taking him to like Stone's favorite places or whatever do you know what I'm saying like no. I think he has purposely chosen the girl and the place yeah. To be a dick. Of course he has. And again, it's like there is no rules to break up. Just because she broke up with him doesn't mean she doesn't get to be upset, hurt, angry, pissed Absolutely. off when he starts dating somebody else. It's all normal. Anyway, I think in good news, I believe that they are, her and PJ are still together. Good. Because you know what? I think his actions speak a lot further than maybe his awkward phrasing of some questions. Like just dropping coffee by her work or doing small things like pulling out her chair. Like, he respects her. He respects that she's working her ass off. I love it. Like, I I would like to see more of PJ because I think he's a decent dude. And I think he's about her, whereas I think Stone was always about himself and how it inconvenienced him. for Like, her growth inconvenienced him versus being proud of her growth. I also Um, think that all of these guys are a fucking great antidote to, like, the below-deck bullshit. All of them. All the guys on Very Cavalier, Justin, Scoot, all of them are lovely, evolved human beings who care about people. Speaking of Jay and Scoot, we see Jay, uh, sorry, Justin and Scoot. Justin. We see, um, oh, that's a whole different image in my head. (laughs) Um, We see Justin by the house in Nashville for Scoot. But here's my thing. I love Justin. Yep. I think... Two things. First of all, I think he needs to stop talking to everybody else about how he's feeling and start talking to Scoot about how he's feeling. Like, I feel that that this is a conversation that needs to be had. I also feel a bit like he's bought this house as like a Band-Aid to kind of distract a little bit from the pressing issue of marriage that Scoot is, I don't think pressuring him into, but sort of bringing it up, trying to have a conversation about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm a little bit worried about the ramifications of this a little bit down the line. 
So I think my predictions are that they will end up getting married. They've been together five years. I don't think it's out of line for Scoot to be asking these questions. I I think we learn a little bit about Justin in this, whereas one of his long-term relationships, he was the younger guy and he grew out of the relationship. So I think this is triggering for him a little bit. Like he's worried Scoot because Scoot is quite a bit younger than he is. He thinks Scoot may grow out of the relationship. So I think he's a little bit worried on that. He doesn't really want to get married. But I also think it's probably coming. Like I think, yes, while the house may be a Band-Aid, it also may be Justin putting his baby toe into being really committed as well. You know what I'm saying? So I think like we all have to do things in our own time. Well, yes, I I totally agree with you that this is Justin's Band-Aid for that. I do think they're going to eventually end up getting married anyways. Like, I I think Justin's going to do this and be like, oh, no, this isn't scary at all, actually. I'm fine. I'm just being a bit in my head about all this. Well, I think Kristen will give him a a, a talking to at some point as well. I do think he can bang on quite a lot about what Scoot's issues are going to be and how Scoot's going to maybe leave the relationship and grow out of it. The the simple fact is that the kid is scared. Like, Justin's scared, and it's fine to be scared. Um, Have a chat with Scoot, put your big boy pants on, and marry that guy. Because if you don't, I can... Literally, he will be snapped up in a hobby. Yes. He's so lovely, so thoughtful. Like, when he went to help Kristen with work, just because he was like, we can't be mooches anymore. Like, I want to help her out. I I think Justin's just, yeah, just scared in his own head a bit. I think it'll all be fine in the wash. And I think they will end up being married. I mean, come on. How gorgeous would they be? Oh my God, how gorgeous would the wedding be? Um, yeah. That's us for this week. That's us. Um, yeah, I think we've got we've got a new show coming on Sunday. We've got the Shaws of Sunset that we'll be chatting about next week, which Kat is super excited about. I'm super excited about. I can't wait to like reconnect with this crazy crew. It's also, um, sorry to interrupt, but it's also kind of a hidden gem. Like I, a yeah. lot of people that I've been talking to are like all over Real Housewives, but have never heard oh. of the Shaws of Sunset. I have done all seven seasons in the last nice two, work. three weeks. So I just finished the final reunion today. I am here for it. And just before we go, <clears throat> Reza Farahan um, commented on my Not So Smug Now Instagram post. Uh-huh. Yeah, he did. <laughs> you know, we've had other people like our podcast account as well. No, I know, and but we've I never sort of feel a like shout out for them. <laughs> no, well, I sort of feel like they should like our, our TV podcast account because it's podcast. But like, I was, I know you're right, but I, I was very it's excited. Fine. Also, I will let you have your moment. He's I also mean, one of my favorite. He is 100%. reality TV. He's so wonderfully flawed and self-aware. I just yeah. love him. Well, he um, is now. I mean, he, there is definitely oh, yeah. growth over those seasons. But that's what I, I also love that, yeah. the growth. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's it. We'll have that on the books next week. So yes, enjoy Yes, and it. Real Housewives of Atlanta will also be back. So we'll have a kind of packed run, but no more Below Deck. We'll just be with Below Deck sailing. So that'll even it out a bit. So have a great week, guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Please subscribe, rate, and review TV My Husband Hates wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TV My Husband Hates and join the Facebook group to keep the conversation going when the podcast ends. If Twitter's your thing, you'll find us at TV Husbands Hate. Theme music and production for TV My Husband Hates is by Jimmy Sims. Oh, 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 oh